Hi, I'm Jennifer Isabella. And I'm Sharon Lever, your co-host for Forrester's podcast, What It Means, where we explore the major changes in the market influencing executive priorities. Today, we're joined by Vice President and Principal Analyst Diego Lojudice to discuss the latest trends in AI testing. Welcome, Diego. Thank you very much for having me here. So there's a lot around AI and adoption is growing, but can you talk specifically, what is the state of AI adoption today? So in our data analytics uh, surveys that we run, uh, in 2019, 53% of uh, decision makers confirmed that they are developing AI-based solutions and committed to doing more in 2020. And this trend has been going on for quite some time now, but also 29% of developers are using AI and machine learning technologies to build applications in AI that are infused with AI. So Diego, can you explain that a little bit more? I think when a lot of people hear about AI or machine learning, they think of, you know, some box over there and algorithms that are just doing things, but they could be applied to anything. When you say AI infused applications, what do you mean? Give us some examples. So we have them all around us, right? Even Alexa and uh, the consumer type of applications with AI are what I call AI infused applications. We've done some some research around this and defined it a little bit more formally, right? So it means that you have traditional software, an application that is um, is basically defined as um, software that is uh, built uh, you know, with a traditional uh, algorithm in our mind. Uh, and this uh, software is, uh, you know, we've been doing that for since, since IT has been around. Right. That piece of work is not going to go away. What we're doing is we are giving this application now additional capabilities. So the application might be able to speak, it might be able to listen, it will be able to translate, it will be able to to do many things that we couldn't do with a traditional software because we're using machine learning. Now, the difference between the software that we build in a traditional way, which is deterministic, mm. right? Mm. Uh, which means that every input you, you, you give the software corresponds an output. And if you change the input, the output will be different. In AI, we're building machine learning algorithms, which is non-deterministic. The, the software itself can decide things as free will. And so it means that the same input could produce different outputs. So now what we're doing is we're building software. So you have an application that has application logic that accesses a database that will have a user interface that is deterministic code that we build. Mm. But the application now might have also a machine learning algorithm that is leveraging data to produce insights that will appear through the user interface. It might have a chatbot. Uh, where So it's using the data from the database to do certain things, but it's also using machine learning to leverage tons of data, non-structured data, data that we're not used to compute with traditional software. And it starts combining these things to do, for example, for speech, for speaking, for for using a chatbot that can also be writing a natural language. So instead of using a user interface to select things, you can ask questions in natural language. So that's an AI-infused application. And so, you know, that means that we have to build traditional software And we know how to test traditional software and we have to build these machine learning algorithms, but we have to also test these machine algorithms and we have to test the combination of this, which is actually uh, more than the sum of all the parts because it's more complex, as we will see. 
Right. And you, when we think about these AI-infused applications, I mean, it, amazing, exciting, lots of new use cases, easier to interact with, which sounds great if I'm an optimist. And if I'm a pessimist, it makes me a little scared. I, I know there's several examples out there of sort of AI gone wrong. It sounds like that could multiply mm -hmm. in this new world. Yeah. So the risk is increasing. The more people adopt AI, especially at the in enterprises, right, at the enterprise level, and we start scaling these applications, these AI-infused applications, the higher is going to be the risk that things go wrong. Um, and actually things have gone wrong. So, for example, today we talk about bias. In 12 federal states of the United States, there is a system called Compass, which is for judges, and it helps them decide, for example, how long somebody needs to stay in jail for, before bail, and the system was found by a research company to be biased uh, on, uh, on the fact that it would consider that once outside of jail, the person, you know, a white person would have half of the chances of uh, recommitting crime compared to someone that's of dark color mm -hmm. skin. And so it, the system is biased, was biased, right? So that's examples of things that can go wrong. We have, uh, we also, you know, systems rec do things based on face recognition. The level of risk is bigger for AI because we're using AI for more important things. Mm -hmm. Think about self-driving cars. Think about decisions that are made for big investments, perhaps, or f in fraud, uh, in security, in things that are tied to, you know, our life. Uh, and so if things go wrong uh, in these systems, the risk is higher. Right? So the question is, how do we test these systems and do we test them enough? And the answer is we don't really test them enough. There's a third of the people that are building uh, AI-infused applications that don't really know. When we talk about testing, is part of this technical, like there's technical testing mm. of the software, but part of this also seems to me like an understanding of like some scenario planning or something. Mm -hmm. like what could happen if we infuse the software with AI or ask it to be thinking on its own? What are the implications of that from a it's, higher level? So there's various types of testing. Yeah. There is non-technical testing, which is we're just looking for if there is a bug, if there's you know, something technically that is not written, which causes a technical problem. Mm -hmm. uh, and it could be a bug, it could be various things. But there's all, And there's also non-technical issues like performance. Think about the chatbot that speaks very slowly because maybe there's some performance issues, loads, too many people accessing the system and the system takes time to respond. You know, we know this from the digital world that on a web page, if uh, the page doesn't appear and uh, if it doesn't react and respond in less than two seconds, they were losing clients because mm. of this. Well, think about if it's an AI system, it's not going to be different. So there's also issues around load and speed. But there's the other big part of testing is around the business. Yeah. So one thing we do with testing is we, we test if the idea we had was correctly implemented, which means, you know, it meets the specifications, the business specifications. And as I said, this is where the problem comes in, because how do we do that? We write a test case, which basically is representing what I expect the system to do. I execute the test case, either manually or automated. And I see, okay, the software is doing exactly what I was asked to define it to do. Mm -hmm. Well, for machine learning uh, or for an AI system, and especially when an AI infused application, if you think about it, it's going to have even multiple different 
components of AI. So that makes it even more complex. And so the level of non-determinism grows and it becomes harder. So we call that the testing of the unknown. Mm -hmm. And and so we know how to test the software Mm -hmm. itself. We know how to do some level of validation of the models from a business perspective. Mm -hmm. But what we don't know how to do is testing the unknown. Now, the good news is 80% we know how to test. Right. But there's a 20 percent which or or more that might be testing for the unknown. Part one of the research that we just wrote about really talks more about that 80 percent. The 20 percent is going to be part two. And there's various questions that we're trying to address with that. So what is the state of the state here in AI testing? Are people doing this today? doing it well? Is it a loaded question that I'm so, asking right no, now? <laughs> actually, that's a good question. And so this is one of those ideas that is uh, wasn't triggered by, as a lot of other research that I do, by inquiries, right? right? I wasn't getting any inquiries in this area. It's because I already cover testing for the software world. And I also have an AI background. Um, I was just looking for a white space. And I said, well, why, how are we testing? Um, right, what's going on in the testing space for AI? And so this report, I went out and did a lot of homework mm-hmm. interviewing, you know, Google, IBM, Microsoft. So all the guys that do research, the product teams, the research teams. We interviewed, you know, other software companies that are doing AI systems, uh, smaller um, companies. Also some end user companies were interviewed as well. And, um, you know, and everybody was like saying, oh, well, that's a good idea. I said, but hold on, you're delivering software, right? Even companies like, I, I also reached out to the testing vendor companies. Are you thinking about this? Because another thing we're doing with AI, right? This report works is talking about the testing of AI or the testing of AI infused applications. But the research I did last, two years ago, last year was how can I use AI to improve software testing? Mm-hmm. That's starting now to pick up because it's just like applying AI to any business process where the business process in this case is testing. And so... I said, well, how are you testing these products that are using AI themselves, right? right? And so I think, you know, this is like throwing a stone in the pond. (laughs) I feel I'm, you know, I'm throwing a stone in the pond and looking what the reaction is. And the reaction seems to be pretty good. So what are they doing now, though, Diego? So if if it sounds like you're a couple steps ahead, right? You're, You're thinking about, okay, let's think about the testing automation software and how does that now automate the testing of AI infused which may be a step or two a little bit further than, mm-hmm. than where people are thinking. But they have to be thinking about testing the AI-infused applications that they're building somehow. Yes. So what are they doing today? So let's look at the different components, right? So there's on the AI bit, there is some testing that is happening, right? Which is the validation. When you, when you build a machine learning model, there is a, an embedded process that a data scientist would use. It's like getting the data that uh, that is going to be fed to the model it is being split up by training data and separate testing data. The, and the testing data is data that is exposed to the model that uh, is presenting use cases that haven't been presented in the training data. So there should be a strategy around how they're organizing that data. Uh, so that's validation of the model. Some data scientists do that but it's not necessarily as disciplined and uh, well-structured and governed as in the software world. Um, And so vendors have actually, since we started doing the research, have started releasing frameworks to help automate and do some of that better. IBM Air, uh, AI Fairness 360, the open scale platform. There's frameworks out there and, Mm. and testing vendors are starting to look at the fact that, okay, well, 
can we use the existing technology we have to do some of this testing? And of course, the 80% of the testing can be done with the existing tools that we have. And so what they are doing, I think, is doing the validation for sure, but I don't think there is enough testing going on because AI hasn't scaled yet. Mm-hmm. Right? And so the, this is the right moment to talk about this. It is a, you know one or two steps ahead, but if you really want to start scaling AI in an organization, there's applications also that don't require the level of testing, perhaps, that Maybe because their do. exposure isn't as Well, let's as say wide. there is a recommendation engine, right? Mm-hmm. Well, what happens if uh, Netflix recommends me a film that is yeah. not really a film that I really? care, right? right. So Low they're not going to, they're going to do some level of testing. Some of these vendors actually, or companies that I talk to, do a lot of testing, but there's only that piece of the testing of the unknown bit when really these applications are more sophisticated. If they are at higher risk, we have to come up with some way of testing it. And today it's manual. Which I assume is quite time intensive. It's time intensive. So, and it will, so people, again, as they start scaling, right, uh, what happens is that you, the process of of building software, the software development life cycle uh, for an AI, which includes a model, is, you know, the continuous integration, continuous delivery that we talk about for software delivery. There is a different set of tools that are used for AI. So, Google, Microsoft are releasing platforms now that will help you support this process of defining a model, training it, deploying it into production. And this is the big difference where for AI, it's going to become more important to monitor the model in production because that's when it could also go wrong. It will drift. It will start deviating from the initial um, accuracy uh, or perfection that it had. And so... That's where testing again comes in, where we can say, okay, so let's monitor what's going on in production. If the uh, model is drifting, we know we have to bring it back, retrain it, retrust it. So So the the idea of doing all your testing before you go live and go into production is sort of out the window. It becomes a continuous process. It's not enough. It's really actually continuous delivery for AI, I think is going to be true Mm -hmm. continuous delivery. It has to become continuous delivery because we also have to, some people will just call it monitoring, but I, I, you know, I call it testing really in production because we need to make sure that we know when the model needs to be retrained. We have to identify mm-hmm. when the model is going to be retrained because it's making decisions that are wrong. So we, we talk a lot in our research about speed and yes. innovation and getting things out there quickly and being very iterative, continuous life cycle, as you mentioned. You've talked a lot about the risk, particularly with some types of AI-infused applications that comes with, if anything were to go wrong, you could damage your brand, you could lose trust with your customers, all of those things. Should a company not push forward with AI or AI-infused applications if they don't have a solid testing strategy? Or is this a thing they can develop over time? We have a framework that we are opposing in the, in the report part one, which is, okay, these are the types of testing that we need to do, right? Unit testing, mm-hmm. right? That's the data scientist that explains like what's unit testing in the traditional world. How does that map into the AI, AI world? world. Of AI, yeah. and, it, and that's the level where you can start using the AI fairness, using some of the of the tools mm. that, we, that I mentioned, that uh, frameworks that vendors are starting to build, leveraging those to do unit testing at the model level. Next level is functional testing. Again, functional testing can be used to, for example, identify bias, Right. So bias is a big, t- you know, it's a big topic. It's in, in, in the ethics. So testing 
These frameworks help test for bias and identify and eliminate bias during the development phase besides what will happen into production. But at least, you know, the system goes to production and doesn't have the risky bias. It's always going to be biased, but the problem is the risk bias, the bias that uh, hurts, let's mm. say. So functional testing. Um, then we have the non-functional testing, like is the speed, the load, is, is the concurrency usage of the system, is that okay? Is it? Uh, and we test for that. Uh, the other big piece of testing is going to be integration testing. Mm-hmm. And then we've got testing in production, monitoring, et cetera. So for each one of those, the framework kind of makes some suggestions, what tools we can use from the traditional world, what tools from the new world, et cetera. And uh, so a company should at least at least leverage the know-how of the testers that they have from the software world and have them collaborate and be involved early on in the process with data scientists, with those that are building AI-infused applications. How much of this testing has to be done, right? Do they have to do all of it? And what happens for the part that is like testing the unknown? Testing the unknown, example of testing unknown is the AI generated, it's the platform that generates the outcome and it's not a human being Mm -hmm. that has designed it. Right. Right. Even in that space, I had a very interesting uh, conversation with some of our analysts in the digital experience space is like, well, we have to bring in the digital experience experts as well that can define a scope within which, you know, we want the system to respond. So in other words, a bank is not going to put a chatbot up that can just answer anything and that will use any type of language. There has to be a, a, a domain, right? A right. perimeter, a close perimeter within which it can, function. it can behave and function. Right. Right. So that's kind of the, some of the ideas for part two, which is how do we make this work also for the unknown, but it's also a research topic for the vendors as well. You know, the clients are going to have to decide how much of this testing have to do. From my perspective, all software should be tested. You should never deploy things without testing. Quality matters. And the reason is because your initiative at the enterprise level will fail. And so people will start losing trust in the fact that the AI doesn't work. Well, and to your point, I think testing for traditional software at this point is a pretty well-known process yes. and capability that shouldn't slow you down, to right. be honest. And that's what we've been doing with Agile and DevOps. Right. right. So in the last five years, that's why test automation has become more important. That's why the market has the market of testing has grown uh, of the tools that implement tests uh, that enable and the practices to build test automation in in the software development lifecycle has become testing is now a first-class citizen in development. It's right. no longer something done at the end in an ivory tower. Sometimes you don't even do it because, oh, you know what? We need to deliver. That's the date. We don't have time to test. That doesn't happen anymore. Well, that's digital too, right? Because the relevance of software is more important, and so uh, it and will embedded, hurt us. Embedded yeah. everywhere. Right. Yeah, absolutely. It sounds like that the talent that exists today in testing software is fully applicable to testing AI, or is there a gap there? There is a gap. So the other big piece in this is integration testing Mm. as well. If you start using different components and they need to talk to each other, that's called integration testing. And you want to see the end. It's the end-to-end test that is is the complicated bit. But at least from a technical perspective, the integration has to work. Data has to pass through, you know, uh, there have to be APIs and, and there's technical stuff that we have to meet the requirements of. 
based on what you know about how many people are really doing this and taking it seriously today, fast forward a year, two years down the road, how common will big PR backlash, big AI gone wrong stories be because of this? So this is a question around quality. You could ask the same question even in in software testing, right? Mm -hmm. So one important metric for customers today is quality in production. And, uh, you know, how many cases have you heard? And we hear all the time, you know, of things gone wrong in production for banks uh, when the customer data gets uh, breaches and... Uh, in England, I think it was uh, TSB uh, from Lloyd's that was, uh, I mean, people didn't open their accounts and there was zero money in there. Right? That was all an issue around testing. I would say also, Boeing, there's more testing that we could do on the end-to-end process. What happens when when a sensor is receiving wrong data and the automatic system uh, of the plane thinks, okay, we can go down, uh, but... Uh, and, and the pilot can't take the process back, can't take the control back because we didn't test that case. So in certain domains, actually, the level of quality is really high. The rigorous of testing is very strong. And there are cases where, you know, banks and the traditional software, I know this is scary, but we're less rigorous in terms of how much we test compared to, for example, software that is used on cars and airplanes, etc. So I did AI 30 years back and I went through the AI winter right? There was an AI winter for different reasons. If those things go wrong, people will start losing trust in AI, right? And I think we could risk another AI winter if this doesn't happen. Who's getting this right, Diego? The Microsofts, the Googles, the Mm -hmm. IBMs, they're all now building machine learning platforms that will support the whole process of continuous delivery, which includes testing, some level of testing, Uh, most of the testing, the 80% that we talked about. I don't yet, I have not found an answer from any of the vendors and research centers about the testing of the unknown. I just got an email from Stanford from Andrew NG's team, a startup that he's in the board of, and he's one of the fathers of deep learning. And he said, we want to write something about this, a research document around this, and we would like to, you know, share it with you once we do that. I said, Sure. I would like to interview if you, they're going <laughs> right. to be working on the testing of the unknown. Very cool. Right? Yeah. I mean, the testing of the unknown is not happening because nobody really knows how to do it. Right. right. Well, if you don't know the unknown, how do you test it? Right. right. Yeah. No, so, but, but as I said, you know, there are some of these practices that I've identified uh, through the research, which is for now it can be done manually. So it won't be uh, in the very high risk cases. They, simulation, for example, mm. is another way, right? Mm-hmm. You can simulate that context and see and and automate the simulation to find out how it will react in many different circumstances. But is it 100% tested? No. Right. So if you were advising a company that's looking hard, they've maybe they've been experimenting with AI for the past couple of years, at least, they're feeling pretty confident in it. And they're ready to put something out that is relatively high risk, at least it's going to be exposed to their customers directly, um, that could impact brand perception, their trust in the brand, whether or not they come back. What's the bare minimum that you think that they should be addressing testing for AI? Is it just the 80% that we can do really easily today, or do they need to be pushing into that unknown testing? I think if we don't find and relatively quickly some solutions for the testing of the unknown, I think this is going to be a big limit for scaling AI. 
right. at the enterprise level and doing all the great things that people sometimes talk about. I mean, at the end of the day with AI, we started, think, you know, five years ago, vendor, some vendors were thinking that AI was going to solve world hunger, right? And now what's happening is, no, we're just applying AI for very simple uh, use cases, effective enough and solving different types of problems where there's lots of data and you can pull insights out from all of that. But scaling that more and more uh, and getting it more into the business decisions of every day will, will require more rigorousness. And AI is right now at the point where, okay, people don't have to make the decision of whether to do AI or not. The question is, can they govern the AI? And so it's all about governance, right? Mm -hmm. So there's that cycle about adoption. Then governance comes in on how we govern that adoption and testing is part of that. Yep. yep. But this is the key to unlocking potentially some of the scale and things exactly. that enterprises have been so, talking about so, for some so, time. Yeah. So no, no, you know, no testing of AI, probably no scaling of AI at the enterprise level. We just will keep doing what we're doing for now, but it kind of pushes out the, the boundary from when we can really use AI at scale at the enterprise level. Great. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you very much for Thank having you, me. Thank you, Diego. Thank you. If you like what you heard today, subscribe to Forrester's What It Means podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify, or your favorite podcast player. To continue the conversation, follow Forrester on Twitter and LinkedIn. Thanks for listening.